Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers animated podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. And today we are looking at the first part of the two-part season one finale, Megatron Rising, part one. Oh man, exciting. Yes, this is the 15th episode, uh, because this is a weird 16-episode first season. And this is written by Marsha Griffin. This is the uh, first Transformers episode she's written, uh, but eventually she'd write several other uh, Transformers animated episodes, a whole lot of Transformers Prime, and an episode of uh, Robots in Disguise. Nice. And she's also, I mean, she's written basically everything else. Uh, wrote for uh, Jumanji, Men in Black the series, <laughs> Starship oh, Troopers, yeah. all sorts of 90s. Movies that you didn't think got television shows. Oh man, Jumanji had a TV show. What? It, yeah. it was on UPN. Yes. Oh, that explains everything. <laughs> yes, those cartoons were not actually good enough to hack it on Saturday mornings. They were on Sunday mornings. Oh man. And uh, as their commercials pointed out, those shows were open. <laughs> uh... God damn it. No. Yeah, uh, they also had that Incredible Hulk cartoon, which was kind of okay. Which one? Which <laughs> Incredible Hulk cartoon? Um, I mean, that described all of them kind of okay. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I and mean, there was one in the 80s, and this was the 90s one, where um, I think it was pretty decent. It had, uh, I think, Neil McDonough playing uh, Bruce Banner. Hmm. Uh, he currently he's uh, he plays Dum Dum Dugan in those uh, Marvel movies. Oh. And you see him in a ton of stuff. Related, you know who played Dum Dum Dugan in the David Hasselhoff Nick Fury movie? I'd be uh, Optimus Primal himself. Yes, uh, I, I enjoyed that. That was like that came on right after I had gotten back from a botcon that he was at too. So I was like, <laughs> oh my god, I I sat at the table and ate dinner with that guy. And I think uh, I think oh the guy who played Rampage uh, Campbell Lane, I think he's in that movie too. Yeah, I think maybe he's Baron Strucker. I think so. I think so. Oh, man. Anyway. That movie was so Canadian. It was indeed. <laughs> uh, but UPN also had Bureau of Alien Detectors, which was a very much we're ripping off the X-Files to do a cartoon show. <laughs> and they named it Bad. Yes, B-A-D, <laughs> Bureau of Alien Detectors. Yeah, you know. I mostly bring it up because one of the main guys was uh, Peter Spellos. Ooh. Like Skybite. Yes. He has not been in nearly enough stuff. No, he has not. Or at least not, not enough stuff that is not softcore pornography. Yes. He was in The Giver. He was in The Giver. Oh, boy. Like, which Giver? Like, the one that they used to show on Sci-Fi Channel and yeah. mention Mark Hamill being in it as, like, the big selling point, even though he's in it for, like, two seconds? No, he's in it for yes. five, maybe Eight minutes? And then he turns into a cockroach. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's pretty gross. Also, he's got that weird 90s Mark Hamill mustache that makes him look like a sex criminal. <laughs> yeah, yes. before he went gray, his facial hair just didn't work right. No. <laughs> like, the beard is fine. The mustache, not a good idea. No. I didn't realize Any- Peter Spillis was in that.
we, we open. Uh, we're still in the winter. Detroit is uh, snow-covered. What about global warming, man? Maybe global it gets warming. fixed in 50 years with uh, the Megatron technology that uh, Isaac Sumdak has. Oh, maybe. Fingers crossed. <laughs> and speaking of Megatron, uh, Isaac Sumdak has pulled his ratty-ass body out of, the, out of this river. And he's starting to fix it. And it is pretty busted up. Yeah. Yeah. Not in great shape. Not looking his best. Toss it off the cliff into the river, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Plus it had a bunch of space barnacles eating it. Yeah, it had parasites and... Yeah. And Sumdak is, you know, he's, he's very impressed that it's lasted 50 years of just hanging out in the woods. Huh. Which, of and course, causes... No, this causes Megatron. To, you know, he's he's gloating that they, you know Cybertron Cybertronian technology is superior. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, it could stand up to anything this puny planet could do, and I'm like, dude, there's like lava and shit here. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you're just lucky it was only covered in barnacles. Yeah. Space barnacles. There could have been like raccoons living in it. <laughs> I mean, if you've if you've ever listened to to car talk when someone calls in who's had like mice living in their car, yeah, it's, it could have been a lot worse, dude. Oh man, if, if just the rest of the show, Megatron just randomly had like possums crawling out of him. <laughs> that would be the best thing ever. I would love actually that. That is kind of what uh, Megatron has going on in Dark of the Moon. Yeah, well, fair. Except they're like fair. robots. Yeah. I guess yeah. you call them Roboto possums. God damn it. <laughs> which is definitely something that is mentioned on the Generation 1 cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's playing Roboto possum. Yeah. Anyway, it's the future, but Detroit's infrastructure still sucks because this snow causes a blackout. Good job. Uh, Megatron is very upset that this could cause a delay, and once again, it's a real... Professor Sumdak, how did you not realize this guy was evil? <laughs> he's he's being a jerk about it. He does manage to cover at some point how he needs to hurry up and get back in one piece so that he can rejoin his Autobot brothers. <laughs> he sounds so pained. I think it's the first time he's lied out right in one of these. I think so, yes. Explicitly, possibly? Because he's always very vague when they talk about, you know, somebody stealing their speed suit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it must have been an inside job. <laughs> We're just, I don't want them to see me like this. It's just, it's yes. Vague enough, but yeah, this is Autobot Brothers. Yes. Uh, also, my, my Cory Burton Megatron is just kind of going into Boris Karloff. <laughs> Not good. Mm. Anyway, so Megatron, this, you know, this isn't going his way, so he is going to try calling Lugnut again. And Lugnut and Blitzwing are turning out to have a bunch of interchangeable parts. <laughs> well, re- interchangeable shoulder parts, which ju- just makes it seem like their uh, Power Rangers Zords were ju- just swapping bits off. They're hero mashers. Oh, yes. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> It's a bit like a big bin of creons. <laughs> Fun. Anyway, Starscream is also there as he as we he 
he's lorned it over them and making fun of them for sucking. You know, I, there was the whole thing about how they were, like, not showing the Decepticons too much in order to make their impact more impactful. And I really, when, when Starscream showed up, it's like, yay, it's Starscream. And I, you know, really, really felt that impact. Yeah. Yes. He's best, I mean, not that he's not good, but he's, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yes. Yes, it does. So he finally does, so Megatron finally does manage to contact uh, Lugnut. And once again, it's Lugnut having a conversation with Megatron while Starscream thinks he's talking to him. Yeah, such a good bit. Because <laughs> Starscream wants Lugnut to bow down to him, basically, and then he does start bowing down because Lugnut's just acting and talking out loud to Megatron, and Starscream thinks it's him, but then he starts saying weirder and weirder things, but it's Lugnut, so he's not that bright. <laughs> yes. Starscream kind of believes it. Well, he, he's wondering, you know, what's his malfunction? And Blitzwing tells him that it's a technical glitch. It happens. And then switches personalities and says <laughs> a lot, actually. Well, he would know. Oh. But it, it is amusing that Starscream's ego is being fed by someone sucking up to Megatron. It's Yes. It's beautiful. Yes. But anyway, this you know, this is dramatic irony. Gets cut off pretty quickly when Lugna just tells everybody that it this is Megatron, and he commands us to bring us bring him the key. Uh, Starscream is not thrilled by this. No. And also, almost let slip that he was the one who killed Megatron. <laughs> yes. Almost. Switches from I did it myself to I saw it myself. <laughs> Good job. Good job, Starscream. Let's say it. Yes. So Megatron wants the key. Starscream sends Lugnut and Bladeswing to go get the key, whilst he himself tracks the uh, transmissions to wherever they're coming from. Because he still doesn't believe it's Megatron. Yeah. He would prefer it wasn't. Yes, he would like it to maybe not be Megatron. So the Decepticons head out, and the Autobot computer picks them up. So they... Autobots, you know, they've been picking up some increased Decepticon activity, and they're getting a little antsy. Yeah, so and antsy that Ratchet destroys some plane models. Yes, because they're well. This is all the stress is making Optimus Prime kind of a you know doubt his own abilities as leader, and that's making him a real dick. <laughs> it's making him PMSy. I'll I'll say it. He's being PMSy this episode. Okay. Because the rest of us were not going to say that. <laughs> I I had in my notes that he's playing bad cop this episode. Oh yes, that too. That too. Yeah. Just and uh, fed up with everybody and just shouting out their flaws. Yeah. And making matters worse, this is the time when Bulkhead and Prowl decide to tell him that, oh right, we uh we we rescued the Dinobots and we also set them up. Uh, to live on this island. We, we just, gave them an island. I'm not sure there's a better time, but the fact that Prime's already mad and you're telling him that, like he can't get that much madder. Well, Bulkhead, a, well, Prowl apparently said that he would tell Prime, and then he didn't. Bulkhead thought he had, so Bulkhead just blurts out about, you know, the Dinobots could come help them, 
And Optimus is like, uh. <laughs> and so, and then Prowl's like, yeah, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't told him. Yeah. So, you can't really blame Bulkhead for that, because he no. thought that Prime knew. And really, Prowl should have told him. Like, maybe when, yeah. Yeah, like when he's in a really good mood. <laughs> yes. You know, maybe maybe you just beat the headmaster or something. He's not going to be too mean to Bulkhead because his head just got put back on. That's when you tell him. Yes. I, I was a bit miffed that the classic reaction gag, they didn't quite take advantage of it as much as they should have, and it, it doesn't sound like they actually gave David K. permission to scream at the top of his lungs and then back it off later. No. Sounds like he's doing a fake indoor voice yell. Yeah. <laughs> and I can see how it would be kind of hard to yell with the, the measured voice that uh, K is using for Optimus here. Yeah. I mean, he's not really a, a, a yeller. I think yelling is also a problem in, like, uh, American cartoons anyway. They can't yell yell, even at the loudest, like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a weird voice acting thing when I, I notice sometimes when anime, like, when there's a lot of shouting in the original Japanese and then it's dubbed and the shouting isn't that shouty. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe it's just mixed a lot lower than the Japanese shouting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're different about having dramatic sound variations on, on TV. Mm. Yeah. And, also, adding to Prime's consternation, uh, Sari is once again uh, using her key for frivolous ends. In this case, uh, remote control plane dogfighting. <sighs> Damn it, Sari. Also, I'd like to point out that earlier, uh, when there was that outage, the power outage at Sumdak Tower, it had... Uh, he he gets her on the screen, and she said that she tried to fix it with the key, but she thinks she just made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's that's about that, right. That, that's what happens when you try and have your... And also, I think she causes the uh, uh, robotic Annie Potts to explode. <laughs> yes, yes. That, that robot it takes a lot of abuse. Almost as much as Tutorbot. Yes. And also taking abuse here is Sari, because she does not want to give this key up, but Prime just makes Prowl yank it from her with his magnets. Sir, ratchet. That's ratchet. ratchet. Mm-hmm. Got, got, to make, uh, got to make the old man do your dirty work. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he, he has to discipline his children. Prime has become stern dad. Yes. And Ratchet clearly does not want to do this. No. No, he doesn't. Oh, poor guy. And so Sari just takes off. Yeah, Bumblebee, uh, he takes that, he takes off after her. Uh, Prime tells Ratchet to, uh, go take the key and get the, uh, get our ship started. <laughs> go start the ship. Rev it up. Yes. Anyway, sorry, is, uh, you know, she's wandering the snowy streets of Detroit being emo. But she is being watched by Black Arachnia. <gasps> dun dun dun. Oh, I. I had completely forgotten that she was in this season finale. As had I. Yeah. She doesn't play a real significant role. No, she does not. No, but she's there. Which I I guess that's why I forgot, because she's just just there for a couple scenes. Yeah. Yeah. 
So she wants the key once again, but uh, this time Sari doesn't have it. And, you know, Sari relates a little about, you know, how uh, the Autobots kind of, you know, they don't trust her and they, they abandoned her, which is kind of Black Rackney's whole deal. So uh, so they're going to team up. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it occurs to me that a, an interesting thing with uh, this, this Black Rachnia is that often, and, and she does the whole, like, you know, they don't trust me either. And the thing is, there's, it's interesting because there's a, a sincerity to that, but also she's using it to be manipulative. Yeah. Yes. So it's it's very interesting how something can be both true and being used to be manipulative, and that's you know very much her character here. Hmm. So while this is going on, Ratchet is uh, hauling ass to the Autobot ship, but before he can get there, uh, Lugnut and Blitzwing find him first, and uh, this isn't much of a fight. No. No, and he makes a particularly bad choice of quip at one point as well. Yes. You can, you can, you know, you can take it, have that key, you take it from my cold, dead servos. Don't say that to somebody who has ice powers. (laughs) No, because he, he freezes Ratchet solid and then just snaps his entire forearm off. Yeah. Yeah, that's, damn, that's... That's pretty grisly for this show. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Well, considering that the, Decepticons at the beginning of the episode were still putting themselves back together. Like, we're, we're still kind well, those, of operating... Those are the bad guys, though. Yeah, but we're still kind of <laughs> operating on, like, uh, Waspinator physics. Yeah, that's true. I mean, certainly guys got dismembered on Beast Wars all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Re- re- we just had the decapitation episode a few ago. That's true. <laughs> but, I don't know, the... the I mean, that was such a clean cut. This has, like, robot bits hanging yeah, out of it. It's, it's a little gross. There's, like... The robot equivalent of bones sticking out? Yes. Okay, so... The robot equivalent of a ham hock. (laughs) Well, it is kind of the right shape to be a ham hock. Yeah. Delicious. Anyway, so the rest of our cast, uh, by which I mean Prime, uh, Prowl, and Bulkhead, are now on Dinobot Island. And uh, Prime is not helping. No, he's still in a mood. So he, he does not do well with Grimlock, his brother Daryl, and his other brother Daryl. <laughs> no. And uh, I, I like this bit about the Dinobots kind of not caring about the Dinobots. As it kind of harkens back to uh, a bit in The Ultimate Doom, which is a Generation 1 episode where Optimus Prime has to convince the Dinobots to save the world because they live on it. <laughs> yes, I, I thought of that, and also I love that bit where where they're like, we don't care about her, Septicons can blow the whole thing up or something along those lines, and, and Wheeljack or somebody is like, with you on it? Because, hmm, me Grimlock not think of that. <laughs> this is also one of the Generation One episodes where the Autobots are just keeping the Dinobots in their closet. <laughs> Yes. Like, they just open up the door and it, hey, hey, Dinobots. Yeah, just... <laughs> Let's turn on the Dinobots, which is pretty messed up. <laughs> Sorry, which is pretty messed up. Secret members of the family they don't want anyone to see. I I don't remember noticing it last time, but the Dinobots have Autobot symbols on them. Yeah, I... Because the toys do? Well, of course the toys do. I just, it it does seem a little weird at this point. 
Yeah, it's a, a little puzzling. Yeah. Maybe Proud gave them to them. It's possible. They're, they're honorary Autobots. Mm-hmm. And after all, the Generation 1 Autobot sign does look like uh, Generation 1 Prowl. It's a good point. Which, oh, the, so the Autobot symbol in this series should look like this one's Prowl, which is really long chin. Yeah. Like it'd be twice as long. I mean, I mean that's everybody's face, though. These, these symbols really should have more chin on them. Yeah. And it doesn't look like a face at all. It's like having a nose on the Transformers Prime one. <laughs> anyway, there, there's a bit of a fight, um, but mostly the Dinobots just do not care, and they just end up fighting each other. Him, Grimlock, unhelpful. Yes, basically yes. They, they end up just roughhousing with each other. It's kind of cute. Yes. So, making matters worse, this is also where Prime finds out that uh, the key has been stolen. And Prime just doesn't know what to do next. He's thinking that maybe Bumblebee is right, and that, you know, maybe I suck. Aww. He's having mood swings. He's just... Poor guy. He's having a tough day. Yes. Alright, so Bumblebee... Uh, so, Starscream gets to some... Gets to the source of the transmissions, which is Sumdak Tower, busts his way in, and indeed, it's Megatron's head. <laughs> oh, and in Starscream's transformation before he lands, he has a Gerwalk mode. Yes, uh, so please explain to us, and kind of me, what is a Gerwalk? <laughs> well, it, it's from, well, oh, hey. Robotech, aka Macross. Ah, damn it, Robotech, why do you still exist? Macross, they had the Veritex, <laughs> which were a plane. They transformed into a robot, and they had a mid-mode, which was like the ro- legs and arms sticking out of a plane, which became Jetfire, the toy. And and ah. this Starscream does that. And was this a thing that they, like, did on the show, or was it just something that you kind of find, found oh, out no, you could do with it the was toy? a main thing. It was an, that the tr- yeah, it was an actual legit mode. You actually see that in the show before you see the full-on robot mode. Yeah, I, ah. I don't know if you see the robot mode in the first episode. Huh. Yeah, does I don't walk think you need do. anything or not a goddamn clue. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's probably maybe it's like Gur might be a German. I don't know how the walk it it can walk. <laughs> Gur walk. As as I was reminded when I was packing up and found my Clash of the Bionoids VHS tape, Robotech exists to sue people for copyright infringement for trying to do things with Macross. Yeah. And they keep doing... They got a comic out now. It's like, I think I think Nick Roche did a cover for it. It's like, nice, you're doing work, Nick. It looks like good, but like, no, I don't want any more damn Robotech <laughs> selling encourage. because I actually want Macross series. We've never freaking got here because of freaking Robotech. <laughs> Don't encourage Harmony Gold. I want to see Macross Seven. Damn it! Aww. Now well, is I mean, that is that like the seventh it. one, or is that just a number in the title? It's the second one. Okay. <laughs> it's just a number in the title. It's well, I think it's named after the ship they're traveling in space in the Macross Seven. Okay, so it's, it's like Blake Seven, where there you didn't have Blakes one through six before that. Yeah, no, a series. Because in the original series, there's the Macross 1, and I think later there's a Macross 2, so this one's just the seventh one. And they fight their enemies by singing at them. Oh, so it is like uh, Robotech then. Yes. Well, that was what Macross did. 
Well, yeah, but no, the, well, yeah, the Macross is like, the, there's singers and there's robots shooting missiles in Macross 7. The main characters are a band who have robots that have giant speakers on their robots. This yeah. kind of sounds amazing. I know! <laughs> <laughs> there, there was, uh, at, gosh, BotCon 98, the one in California, I think, uh, David Coloni Neji, who always had a table with a bunch of crazy stuff on it, uh, had some knockoff uh, Valkyries from Veritex from Macross 7 that had the best English description of the plot on the packaging. And I don't actually remember any of it, except that the instructions at one point instruct you to down the breast in the arrow direction. <laughs> That is that is the most of what I know about Macross Seven. Turn it topwise, topwise. <laughs> Power Joe to be made floating up. Just touch him. <laughs> I found that one actually while I was packing. Sadly, not still in the package that says "just touch him" with a big arrow pointing at his crotch. <laughs> So, uh, to bring it back around, um, the Verit, or, what the hell are they called? Uh, Valkyries in Macross 7 look a lot like Starscream in vehicle mode anyway. With the forward swept wings, long nose. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they have a somewhat similar, I mean, they have an identical transformation to Jetfire, but they have a somewhat similar transformation to Seekers and whatnot. So, yeah, Starscream bust in. He's of course not pleased to, to see Megatron, but and so they they have a really great little conversation where start where you know Megatron. We we've seen in previous episodes that he, that he knows that Starscream uh, screwed him over, and Starscream doesn't know that Megatron knows that, and he's kind of trying to figure that out. But before he does that, uh, or rather. Well, he does that. He's also planning to just kill Megatron after he's given a big speech. <laughs> he's just waiting for the right moment to kill Megatron, which means he waits too long. He waits so long that Bumblebee sees him through a hole in some deck tower, kind of like how Starscream was spotted in Transformers the movie. Oh, that, right, yes. It's almost the exact same scene. <laughs> and he's not even on Lookout Mountain. No. So Bumblebee gets in and then wheels himself, or drives up an elevator shaft. As you do. And I also love that we get uh, what I believe is the elevator music version of the Soundwave music from The Sound and oh. Fury. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I like the idea that Bumblebee is just, like, this universe's version of the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> you mean he's a, he's part of a family? Well, I guess he's technically bald. He is bald, and, uh, I, I just saw that eighth one. Um, I can't believe there are eight of those movies, <laughs> and they are slowly <laughs> accumulating, uh, the world's baldest actors. <laughs> oh, yeah. They've got The Rock, they've got, uh, they've got Vin Diesel. And they've got um, Jason, Jason Statham. Yeah, well, they have Jason Statham. I assume uh, Danny DeVito is going to be in the next one. 
That would be amazing. And Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart. Yes. Um, they had Charlize Theron in it, who was bald in Mad Max Fury Road, but has uh, bad white lady dreadlocks in this Ooh. one. Oh. But she's the bad guy, so it's okay. Mm. Oh, okay. Now, was it this one or the previous one where The Rock flexes a cast off? That was the last that one. That is the previous one. <laughs> oh, my God. This is the one where he drives a tank. Oh, okay. <laughs> Great. Is it also one where they're fighting a nuclear submarine? That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> my God. And, uh, damn it, that, that's exactly what it is, the problem is. You can't make G.I. Joe work anymore because it's already the Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Pretty much. Oh, and I totally forgot, uh, fellow uh, bald actor and Transformers alumnus, uh, Ty Reese, is also in this one. <gasps> Yay! Yay! Sadly, at no point does he yell, bring it. Aw, does he ever say left cheek? Also, no. He's <sighs> kind of playing the same character, though. <laughs> Let's be fair. Everybody in the Fast and the Furious movies is playing the same character that they always play. <laughs> this is true. Jason Statham's just Statham-ing it up. Yeah. <laughs> also, Helen Mirren is apparently his mother in those movies, which I don't think works genetically. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know what you're combining with Helen Mirren's DNA to produce uh, Jason Statham. <laughs> and, and his brother, um, oh, uh, Luke Evans. What? Yeah, Luke Evans is Jason Statham's brother in this movie. <laughs> And they both somehow emerged from Helen Mirren. <laughs> oh, God. I love Luke Evans, but he is not Jason Statham's brother. I mean, they're both British. Yeah, technically. I guess at a certain point, that's all that matters. Now, I'm just... Now I just have... Luke Evans, who is Jason Statham's brother, stuck in my head, and then it continues on to Half-Life Full-Life Consequences. <laughs> I mean, oh listen, we're, we are, I think, two movies away from these guys fighting zombies. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Don't they fight zombie cars at the end of this one? They do, actually. It's kind of a great scene. So I've heard. What? Uh, Charlie's Theron's character is like a super hacker. Uh-huh. And she hacks a bunch of cars into going... It's kind of like like one of those 70s horror movies where it's like some kind of animal all going nuts at once, except with this, mm-hmm. it's cars. Wow. And they're so just like, like busting out of dealerships and stuff. It's kind of cool. So it's like Maximo Overdrive, except with yes. Lisa... What's her name? Who's Lisa Simpson? Yes, no Lisa Simpson, no Estevez, and uh, no ACDC, alas. Aw. I'll never know who made who now. You can always go see Iron Man for that. Speaking Anywho, of giant trucks with trailers, um, uh, Prime drives by with his fire truck back end on again. Yes, I, you can just put that thing back on. It goes to subspace. Apparently. And yeah, Bumblebee busts in, and Starscream is very upset because he interrupted his speech. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it may be the best line Tom Kenny does in this entire series. It's the oh, most he... Starscream thing, certainly. Oh, he he hits a pitch that is Lada-esque. <laughs> also, you know, Bumblebee, 
I realize Bumblebee is not the the smartest, but clearly Starscream and Megatron were were having a conflict here. So maybe it would have been a good idea to just let one of them kill the other, yeah, and I, then I, have one less Decepticon to deal with. Well, I guess one's just a head. Yeah. But that, Megatron does that, have control over the machinery, so he just tosses both of them out of the lab and onto the roof. Yes. Because Megatron always comes out ahead, even though Starscream is the Chin King, and I have no idea why I have the note Starscream is the Chin King at this point. <laughs> I mean, he de- he is the King oh. of Chins. Yes. He does. Oh. I just I forget what exact incident caused me to write that. <laughs> I mean, when he's yelling at Bumblebee, the chin is just out of control. Possibly. Well, his head is twice as long as Bumblebee's because he is twice as tall, but... This is true. So, while all this is going on, Sumdak busts in. Well, not busts in, but, you know, he's heard the commotion, and Megatron is still playing this guy. (laughs) Salo, the, the Decepticons will return soon. You must complete my new body. And indeed, the Decepticons do get there soon, uh, with the key in tow. And Lugnut is so fanatically devoted to Megatron that it takes him a little while to notice that he's just ahead. He's bowing and saying he's not worthy, having fanatical devotion to the Megatron. Fear and surprise. And then, uh, what, what, what happened to your body? It is, it is a long story. <laughs> And Blitzwing is kind of impressed because he's he still thought Lugnut was insane this this, this entire time. <laughs> he's like, oh, huh. Go figure. And yeah, some Lugnut makes Sumdak bow, which is a little creepy. Yeah, he says like something like bow human scum while pressing his, yes. his giant meat clamps down on Sumdak. And this, it is now that Sumdak finally realizes that he Megatron was a Decepticon, and Megatron is all, and Megatron is all LOL. <laughs> wow, it all makes sense. Yeah, it does, Sumdak. <laughs> Poor guy. He's so trusting. Yeah. He's so nice and trusting. That's, you know, that's, I think, my takeaway from this season so far has been Isaac Sumdak is the nicest guy in the world. So nice. But unfortunately, uh, evil will always triumph, because good is dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And indeed, Lugnut drops him into uh, into his hand throne, while Blitzwing uh, jumpstarts Megatron's head with the key. And put on that Transformers the Movie soundtrack. Because <laughs> all sorts of glowing lines are happening. He's got the touch. And in a really cool sequence, uh, Megatron creates his new body. Even like mm-hmm. magnetoing pieces from the lab into it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I mean, Still that's rad. not how things work, but it's pretty cool. I mean, it's how Transformers science works. Yeah. All spark power, lots of thingies happen, looks cool. Lots of glowing! Yes, if it's glowing, Transformers stuff is happening. I also like how the wires sort of connect to the, the hand thrown, and 
it clenches on uh, Sumdak and pulls him into the floor. Yeah, which, where exactly does Sumdak go at that point? Is he stuck in Megatron's fist for a bit? I don't know, because he's not holding him at the start of next episode. No, no, he's just mm. out, but... Wait, you mean this was a two-parter? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that explains so much about the end of this episode. And so, yeah, Megatron just blasts through the ceiling and through the roof and is hovering aboard or hovering above the city of Detroit, surveying all that he sees. To be continued. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And I think it's also here that we should mention um, Megatron's new body, which looks super cool. It does. Oh, it looks really cool. Great. It's such a good design. One of my favorite Megatron designs of any continuity. It's very good. Because it, it takes a lot from G1 Megatron and also sort of various comic versions. Like, uh, wait, was All Hail Megatron before this or after? Ooh. The artwork was, of, like, the artwork that inspired the All Hail Megatron story arc had been done around this time and was being shown oh, okay. as, like, part of promotional packages and stuff. Okay, okay. so it, it probably took some cues from that because it's just big, opposing angles... Giant chest, red, black. It's kind of got big hair. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Big helmet. And we're not going to see its alt mode until next episode, but I guess we might as well talk about it now. It's a dual rotor helicopter, and I really love helicopters, so I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, it's cool. sort of Osprey-like, kind of, a bit. Yes. Or It's kind of like a cross between the Osprey and... um. Mayhem's vehicle in mask. I mean, it's it's definitely Osprey inspired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It is pretty cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, that is uh, that is Megatron Rising. This was this did a really good job of sort of tying the season together. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that's a lot of why Black Rachnia showed up, and that they went to see the Dinobots and. You're just sort of acknowledging all that stuff, bringing that stuff like, hey, remember this stuff? Yep, I here will you go. say a bit of that feels like time killing, especially since uh, we've seen both parts now and we realize that, spoiler, neither of those really pay off. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think I would say that they seem like time killing so much as they just seem like cameos. Yeah. Like, hey, uh, We've, we've got like an extra two minutes in the episode. Can anybody get Cree Summer on the phone? <laughs> well, it feels to me like someone asked them to put, you know, have all of them. Then we bring everyone back. Yeah. Yes. That the point is to say, you know, it's the end of the season. Remember mm-hmm. these guys from earlier in the season to tie it back, even though it doesn't really get tied in very much at all. Like, uh, Hey, remember these guys? They've got toys out. (laughs) It's kind of like, remember Tigatron? He's not going to be in this fight, but he's over there. (laughs) Oh, poor damn Tigatron. They must kill him because Hasbro told them to. It it is kind of necessary, the whole Black Rackney thing, structurally. It It does. Oh, go ahead. Without it, you just have Sari leave and then... Kind of come back for no apparent reason. This is true. Yeah. And now I'm leaving for no reason. 
But where else would you go? Well, I mean, I guess you could just go back to yeah. her, like, Sundak Tower, which is where she lives. Which would kind of get her there, sort of. But then the AllSpark thing, eh, anyway. So it, it's, an, it's an enjoyable episode. The Megatron bit at the end is great. I mean, Megatron. Animated Megatron in general is great, but this is highlight for him. Yeah. He is huge <laughs> also, and and we'll see that more next episode, but he is yes. freaking huge, man. Indeed. And uh, he's got uh, his toy is also huge. Yes. It's a nice leader class. It is. Yes. The toy. They made smaller ones too, but yes, they did. Well, the the first one to come out was a deluxe size that was his um, Cybertronian mode. Yes, the Cybertronian mode in a two pack with Prime. And they also made a Voyager size oh, version of that one too. Oh. Also, I I yes. would just like to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love our sound chips on the Space Pod. So, yeah, um, of course, we will be back next week covering the second part of Megatron Rising, uh, which is, of course, Megatron Rising Part 2. Megatron rises <laughs> again. Megatron rises some more. Megatron, Megatron continues to rise. <laughs> yes. Which is not unprecedented. I uh, I recently found out that the B-side for the uh, hit 80s single Rappin' Rodney, which was, featured a rapping Rodney Dangerfield, was indeed entitled Rodney Continues Rappin'. <laughs> Why are, are so you, much of that? Are are you saying that uh, you you have no uh, I don't know no no regard uh, for that uh, that single? Maybe no uh, no appreciation for it. I'm trying to think of the word here. Yeah. It's not coming yeah. to me. I saw Rover Dangerfield. Kind of no. <laughs> Anyway, for uh, for for more uh, Transformers animated uh, and none of which involves Rodney Dangerfield, uh, you can find us all over the internet. We are on Tumblr, we're on Twitter, and we're on Facebook. And we are hosted by IaconUnderground.net, uh, where uh, we have a Patreon set up that we have actually now started some exclusive content for. Uh, so if you go to patreon.com slash IaconUnderground, uh, you can pay as little as a dollar a month and get our Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 special. And I'm sure we're going to have more stuff coming up in the future because we like to talk about things. That's right. Listen to me talking about Krugar. Yes. That's honestly like the best part of it is just Rob explaining who that guy is. (laughs) And you can find us wherever podcasts are sold. And by sold, I mean given away, because they're podcasts. Uh, we are on both iTunes and Google Play. Wherever you find us, please rate and review us. So until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. Happy 100th episode! Well, technically, I think this is like episode 105 or 6, counting the filler between the season things, but 100th official episode! Yay! We're a century old. We're a regular George Burns. We are Turner of oh, the Century. Uh, I'm good. Yes. 
I think that's actually Corey Burton. Which, that would make it one of the rare times you actually got the right voice actor for the toy? I think they did that for all the animated ones. Yeah, I guess the bulkhead one does sound pretty good. And the headmaster sounds like the headmaster. <laughs> yes. 